Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to this preview edition of Red Side of Trent, where we come to you shortly before Nottingham Forest fixture away at Aston Villa. Villa Park's one of our favourite venues. And I'm delighted to be joined by Seb from Holtcast. Hello, Seb. And I also have Adam Wicklow with me as well, as per usual. Hello, both. Um, now, obviously, Seb, you are part of the uh, victorious Upload United team that won on you last um, June. Which is obviously how you know, this is how networking works, people. This is how it works. And uh, I believe you were you captain day, if I'm right in saying. I I was, yes. You were, yes, yeah. Steering us to victory like prime Steven Gerrard from midfield. <laughs> oh, let's let's not mention Steven Gerrard from oh, Villa yeah. <laughs> Forgot about Any other captain will yeah. do. I completely forgot about his um very awful time at Villa Park and um I'm quite glad he's been exposed to the fraud that he is by Uncle Rune Emery. But yes, we will look ahead to uh, Saturday. But uh, first, of, of, of referee clock kickoff as well for us. But in the middle of the season, Seb, I mean, surely even for your expectations, this has been incredible. I mean, I mean, I know obviously like no one expected a sustained title charge or whatever else, but to even be in the picture must have been absolutely incredible. It's like, just bear in mind, it wasn't that long ago. You know, you're slowing it out of us in the championship. Yeah, slightly surreal to be honest. Um, I mean, I'm I'm known as sort of the pessimist of our of our group. I'm always trying to you know come up with reasons why it's not going to happen to almost avoid the heartbreak and disappointment that Villa have succumbed me to for so, so many years. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, at the start of the season, I, I was sort of looking at where we were as a squad and the new signings and the fact that we've got Europe and and I sort of said anywhere between you know ninth or eighth would, would be a successful season as long as we had a long long run in Europe then you know I, I don't want to set my expectations too high um but I mean that, is, that was just blown out of the water within the first sort of month of the season really and there there is only one man that we can we can hold account to and that is Nye Emery the, the work that he's done at our club I mean 
not only on the pitch, but off the pitch as well, uniting absolutely everyone at a time where the club was was quite divided ever since we we sacked Dean Smith, really. You know, there had been that sort of divide between the players and the fan base, etc. And he has just pulled it all together and shown exactly what you can do with not many transfers, to be honest. Um, obviously, when he came in last season, he only really brought Moreno in as a left-back, which which made all the difference. And then obviously this season as well with Diaby, who perhaps we're still yet to see the best of, and Pau Torres, who, on the other hand, is absolutely vital to the way we play. And you see it with the, the win percentage with and without him, just night and day, to be honest. And the way we play, the way we set up, everything about the club just feels completely different. And the thing that I like is it doesn't feel as though it's almost going to stop anytime soon you see with these clubs a bit like maybe Newcastle's a bad example because it's so early on within their sort of sort of rise where a club can have a really really good season perhaps overachieve and then sort of just fall back a bit like a bit like Leicester did almost um although we'd love to see the the success of Leicester for our own club um it's very easy how that can all go away and almost dismantle but with Villa, it doesn't seem that, you know, Emery is buying into the project that is Aston Villa. Aston Villa is buying into Unai Emery and giving him all the tools that he needs to be here for a long, long time. You know, we've we've invested into the club that he owns back in Spain. So they're now a part of a part of us. So, you know, all cogs are almost on the same page, which for Villa hasn't been happening too recently. What what kind of you, what kind of thing do you fear, Seb, in terms of, of of this Villa team? Because obviously, you've picked up a fair few injuries. I mean, it's not un, it's not uh, it's not unknown that Unai Emery had real rotten luck with ACL injuries. I think it's like his twelfth or thirteenth player that's had an an ACL injury. Obviously, Bubakar Kamara picking up that one the other week. But do you do you worry if like other players get injured? I'm kind of looking at. Ollie Watkins, like if you lose him, how how detrimental is that to Aston Villa? Oh yeah, massively. Uh, the the stat about Unai Emery's luck with ACLs actually surprises me. I knew that we'd been unlucky this season, um, but I didn't realize the extent of of his part to play. Um, it, it's really difficult because we we do have a light squad, and that was something that was a concern, um, especially as in previous years Watkins has come under a bit of scrutiny for not being the most consistent. Uh, I think he's turned that around recently, perhaps since Emery came in. But yeah, with Duran out at the moment, we don't really have another striker available. Um, the only other one that would obviously worry me um, is Emmy Martinez. Um, the impact that he has is is all, a bit like Pal Torres, if not more. You know, he he is Aston Villa, and he's the way that we play. And without him, we would be a shadow of ourselves. But yeah. Emery likes to adopt this sort of system where he doesn't like to use excuses. He doesn't like to blame anything. He likes to get on with it, go week by week. So that's sort of how I've tried to look at it. Instead of going, oh, we're so unlucky. You know, we've had this person out and this person out, obviously losing Mings and Brendia just a a few days apart at the very start of the season. Seemed like the end of the world. Um, And then results almost not made us forget about it, but it, it wasn't at the forefront of everyone's mind. And then obviously... We come back and Kamara's out, Concer's now out, Diego Carlos is out, you know, and that's when we had that that dip in form and people were going, oh, is the bubble starting to burst? And I was sitting there going, well, well no, it's not. If you 
if you take four centre-backs out of any Premier League club, the four starting centre-backs, any team is going to be put into crisis almost. Any team is going to struggle. So we've just got to weather the storm and, and keep going again, take it game by game and just see where it takes us. I mean, a dip is probably inevitable and we're going to lose some results where perhaps before at the start of the season we wouldn't have expected to. But again, that's that's in the situation we are now and we've just got to realise that, you know, every game is is crucial if we're if we're going to be within the fight for top four or top five. Yeah. Christian, Joe, just before you come in, I've got an absolutely outrageous thing I need to tell you both. So I was listening to Talk Sport the other night and it's when Ivan Tony's come back and um, I can't remember, I think it's Hugh Wizencroft and uh, Leanne Sanderson and they're, talk, they're basically blowing up smoke up Tony's arse. And neither of them said Ollie Watkins to go on the plane to Germany, by the way. And he's probably arguably the best striker this season. Yeah, in he's the got to be second, he's second behind Harry, surely. Like, like he's, he's, he's got mean, like what double goals and assists this season. I'm I mean, terrified on, of him. On current form, I take Solanke over Tony. I mean, so would I, I'm like, yeah, I, I rate Solanke a lot higher. Although, although we, we did we did snuff out uh, Ollie Watkins this season at home, he so did. that is that is a positive. Yeah. And it was music to me as before you come on, uh, Seb, that Christian told me that um, Conza was out. I knew Diego Carlos was out, but I didn't realise Conza was out as well. But that that is lovely to hear for me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. uh, but no, it's interesting that we say about um, Watkins because you're right. I mean, one of my mates is. Um, an Exeter fan, so obviously, like when Watkins burst through there, I mean, you could tell he was going to be destined for higher levels. And we saw him at Brentford, he was decent then, of course, as well. But I remember when um, the impact that Emery had on Gerard Moreno at Villarreal was ridiculous, and he's doing the exact same thing with Watkins. I remember there was a Spanish journalist, I can't remember who it was now, you're saying, Look, if he does the same thing again, Villa gonna be love and knife. And it seems to be the way he's been such a good player this season, Watkins, he's just been consistently good. But, I mean, it kind of makes me ask on to my next point, really. I mean, assuming he does stay fit, assuming Duran doesn't have to be called in for a prolonged period of time, is top four now the aim? Or are you still sort of taking it, like you said, there week by week and sort of... But, I mean, surely, you know, fans get carried away. Fans get expecting. Are you, are you sort of half looking at that fourth spot or even fifth, depending on how the rest of the teams do in Europe? Oh, no, I, I haven't taken my eyes off that fourth spot. It's, it's permanently ingrained the table into my mind at the moment. Um do I think we'll get there is is a completely different question. Um, you know, it, it's not it's not often we found ourselves in a position where we've got Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester United breathing down our necks with what thirteen games to go. So it's going to be a long, long thirteen weeks of Premier League football. Um, but it's it's really difficult. Before our injuries, I was going. There's no reason why we can't. You know, the way we've played, we've almost outperformed both of them and you know we are where we are on merit however I just there's such key players Conser especially um without him and Pau Torres we were we were really really struggling so to have one of them back is certainly a positive but without both of them I mean the last time they both played together was the week where we beat Arsenal and Man City within the space of about four days at home and you know it seemed like we were on top of the world as Villa fans um I I do think we 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 can still get it. Um, the the problem is with the uncertainty of whether fifth will get you a Champions League place. Um, it's it's difficult to know what you want. If we knew for certain whether it would or wouldn't, then it would it would perhaps be a lot easier as a fan to sit there and go, well, I can, I can accept fifth. But you know, if if we end up getting fifth and England don't get those places, it will it will be almost a double blow. Um, 
but I'm trying not to think about it too much. Again, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm PR trained here, and I promise I'm not, but we really are taking it every game. Well, I am taking it every game as I can, you know, focusing on the on the next result. We've got Tottenham Hotspur um, in a week or so after you at home, which is going to be an absolutely crucial game, especially as we've already dropped six points to United this season. So, you know, it, it's in our hands and... To be saying that in a top four race as an Aston Villa fan, I've never had the chance to in my lifetime. So it's just got to embrace it. I personally don't see a way where England don't get a fifth Champions League spot. I, I personally think you you should go on and win the Europa Conference League. I do think West Ham will still do well in the Europa League and, and Brighton. And then I feel like the teams left in the Champions League have got a really good chance. I think Man City are first favourites and Arsenal are third favourites to win it. So I, I, I would... It'd be such housery for you not to get it because like Arsenal or City completely like screw it up against someone like, I don't know, Atletico Madrid or Inter Milan who are like nowhere near on the level. I know Inter are like running away with Serie A at the moment, but just, just in terms of like ability and quality for me. I, I don't think anyone's touching many Premier League sides other than Real Madrid at the moment. Um, I did want to ask about Kamara. I know I mentioned him about his, his ACL injury, but how how pivotal is he to how you play with in that partnership with Douglas Louise? Because I know there's been a very big question mark over Yuri Tielemans as well and and his his role in the team. And I know you dropped John McGinn back in for the Fulham game, but how, how did that kind of work? last weekend when when you obviously went to the cottage and won 2-1. Yeah, Bubakar Kamara is a massive miss. He's he's one of my favorite players. He does everything you want in a in a central defensive midfielder and he almost gets no praise for it. He sits in front of that back line in defensive transitions, he'll go he'll drop into center back so we're more assured. In attacking transitions, he'll go and pick the ball up off the centre-back. So, you know, it, it impacts both our defensive and attacking transitions and without him it's not only detrimental because he's not there, but we're having to move John McGinn back further back, which he's not as good at, which is also taking away from us missing the John McGinn in attacking transitions because he's not playing further forward. Then obviously we're having to bring someone else in. You mentioned Yuri Tielemans and he did get a bit of stick at the start of the season, but I think he's really shone through that now. He's starting to show just how important he is to the Villa team. He's, he's picked up quite a few starts in a row and he looks to be to be getting to full confidence now, which again is brilliant because on the eye, he's he's one of my favourite players. The way he picks up the ball, I, I don't know whether you saw it, but his assist to Ollie Watkins for the second. I mean, you talk about weight of pass and you know execution. I, I'm going to cast your minds back, and I know you're not Villa fans, so you might not remember. But when we beat Sheffield United five nil, the Douglas Louise outside of the pass assist. Yeah, like, it was lovely. The amount of times a Villa midfielder will pick it up and Oli will make that exact same run. And if you want two players on that, it's Tielemans or Dougie Louise. So having them both in the team is is really important to the way we play. Like I said, McGinn dropping f- further deeper, it, it can impact us. Um, obviously, it didn't at the cottage, but we, we looked back to our best against Fulham until we conceded. And then they were really on top and we managed to hold on, which I didn't think we would because of recent weeks. You know, we struggled defensively. It was the first time our back forward played together, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe the tide had, had, had turned uh, the fact that we were able to come out that without conceding a second. I say the tide has turned. I'm, I'm starting to sound really spoiled here. And that's the last thing I'd ever want to do. But 
you know, when we went through that dip in form, it did almost seem for Villa fans, especially like it was the end of the world. You know, we were looking as though we couldn't keep a clean sheet against anyone. We were looking as though we were struggling. We were second best. Obviously, that home record that we'd had almost not losing for a year had been wiped out by Chelsea and Newcastle and then United all in a week. And it was, oh, no, you know, nothing's going our way anymore. So to pick up those three points was was crucial. Um, but Emery's always stated it himself that, once you pick up a win, it's about then going on a run and making sure you can add to that as quickly as possible. And I, I, I really like Forest, but if we are serious about getting top four, then opposition like Forest are the teams that we have to be beating at home. No, no that's entirely fair enough. I mean, I expect any team in that position to say the same thing. I mean, ultimately, at this stage of season, I mean, we're in mid-February now. The table doesn't really lie. So, like, it's not like we're in, say, September, October, where there's still a long way to go. I mean, I, I remember before, that's a different league, but the championship, and going back to the Billy Davis time, and I remember he said, like, we don't look at the table until mid-February, because that's when it starts to solidify. So, yeah, I, I would fully expect a team in fourth, or <laughs> expect to beat a team in 16th at home, so don't worry about that. But um, going on to the Conference League, I mean, obviously, Adam mentioned it earlier, that it obviously expects you to win. And I'd say Villa are probably, you know, good good favourites to win that. I know there's still some strong teams left in there like Lille and um, I think Marseille might go into it and Fenerbahce. I think, oh, Fenerbahce, sorry, or maybe Fenerbahce, who knows. But um, yeah, Fiorentina, sorry, I was thinking of, who obviously got to the final uh, last year before they lost to West Ham. So there's still some decent-ish teams there, but how are you finding your European adventure? Like, obviously, it must be great to have like, first night football at Villa Park. Have you had a chance to go abroad at all to any like continental countries, I mean, especially the group stage is great where you have to like Latvia and Lithuania and stuff like that. And it starts to condense into like tougher fixtures. But how have you found the, the ride so far? On a personal level, I mean, it's the first time I've followed Villa in Europe. Um, so, you know, it, it was everything I've wanted, um, you know, being able to watch us midweek under the lights, you know, how it is in Europe. It is really special. And again, from a personal perspective, I had the chance to go to our first away game. I was on the ticketing website and um, I got two tickets and I messaged my dad and I went, shall we, shall we? I can't remember where it was. Um, I can't remember for the life of me where it was. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I was on the ticket and I was I was so close to pressing by and I thought, oh, it's my first week at university. Can I really afford to miss freshers? And, you know, miss miss my first few days in my flat and my first lecture. And in the end, I thought, you know what, I'll hold off. We've got an away game in Holland in two weeks. So, you know, if it goes down to the same category, I should be able to get tickets for there. So I, I held off on it. And then it went to Holland and the people who went to the first away game got priority. So I didn't make it. And it was like, oh, no, what have I done? What have I done? Um, but. From from a Villa perspective, which is probably what the people who are listening to the podcast want to hear more, we, we struggled early on in Europe. We lost our first game, the the one away from home that luckily I didn't end up going to 3-2. Was, was it Legea, Vashava? Yes. Yeah, Legia Warsaw. Yeah, yeah. That's you, the one. You've right. avoided, they're like, the, they're like the biggest hooligans in Europe. So you might have avoided <laughs> for a good reason. <laughs> yeah. To be well, fair. yeah, we, we found out ourselves when they came to Villa Park. So, um yeah, we, we lost our first game and then our first game at home, we were playing against Zrinski Mostar, you know, the well-known Zrinski Mostar. Um, and they held us to nil-nil for 94 minutes until John McGinn finally managed to break the deadlock with a minute to go. And and then that really set us off then and we've managed to find our stride. We ended up going through the group 
in some ease, may I say. And obviously, we've got to buy into the into the next round. So we're waiting for the draw on Friday to see see where we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. And I know, obviously, let's go back to the Premier League, Seb, because I think I had a look at your home record and obviously it was flawless until you played, I mean, it was it was flawless until you played bloody Sheffield United and I thought, well, how have you not beaten them? Because you already got a decision against, which should never have gone, really. But And then... Cameron Archer kind of sneaks up on you <laughs> um, and, and scores against against you. Um, you've won one in your last five in all competitions I've seen. Um, does that kind of give you a little bit of like this could be a banana skin as as Forest roll in? We we've come on off the back of a good result against against West Ham. Um, we we beat you at home, obviously. So that kind of gives us a bit of uh, a bit of a boost. Do, do you, how do you see it going? I'm a Villa fan, so I see every home game as a banana skin. I go into every week. I go into every week not expecting to pick up points. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I think you're completely right. One in and five, one win in five. Sorry, and we haven't looked good in any of those. Which is the really just, the only one where I'd say we've been unlucky was the United game, where I think we were we were good enough for a point in that one. But all the others, you know, we were we were played off the park, which again is is unlikely. And obviously the Sheffield United one. Um, I wasn't at that one, um, and I'm not. I'm not at the one on Saturday, so we will. We will probably end up winning. Um, <laughs> since I'm not going, typical. Um, but yeah, yeah. Look, every game has the potential to be a banana skin. I think there's, I think there's causes for concern in the fact that away teams are now finding out a way to come to Villa Park and and escape with with a point or or three. Um, it certainly looked a lot easier in in recent times. I'm not going to bring it back to the injuries, but. Obviously, the period where we did lose those games was when we were missing a lot of key players. So it'll be different with Paul Torres back. I think our win percentage with Torres is about 79%, whereas without him, it falls into the 20s. So, you know, as as I was saying earlier, like he, he is, you know, a, a massive cog in this team. And without him, we look a shadow of ourselves. So it'll be interesting to see the lineup we go for, whether we have any players back, Luca Dean could possibly be making his return from injury. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I think there could be goals in this one. I'm very intrigued because I felt that last season, obviously, when we went to Villa Park and um, obviously lost 2-0 because John Joe Shelby was probably done for match-fixing afterwards. But, I mean, it felt like for 45 minutes, we largely had... Villa's number, I felt, in that match. It felt like, you know, we limited them to next to nothing. There was one and a half chance that went wide, I think maybe from Bailey, if I remember rightly. I can't remember much. And then, obviously, the second half, once the goal came in and we had to open up and that was it. But it felt like we had a good containment plan. And I felt like when you came to us this season, in a 2-0 win, okay, fair enough, both our goals were from outside the box. The second one, you wouldn't expect Martinez to make that mistake. 
it's nine times out of 10 or even 99 times out of 100 really but obviously that time he did but again it felt like Forest had a very clear plan to contain Villa and then to hit on the counter and it sort of makes me wonder whether we might do the same again under Nuno because obviously we've been doing it a lot quicker moving from a counter to second position do you think that um what sort of threats do you think we you might get from a Forest team with Nuno, do you think it'll be much the same in that we'll look to sort of counter and spring and sort of try and soak everything up, or is there something else that you've that's caught your eye that you think might hurt better? Yeah, I'm, wor- I'm worried about set pieces. Um, no, I, don't I'm worry just... about those. <laughs> no, really. right one, in ni- what, one in 95 corners, we've scored two set piece goals all season, which is the lowest in the league. So, if that's ah. your main concern, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bother. Well, I, I, was, I was thinking about Gibbs White and his his sort of deliveries, and then obviously, I'm, I'm a massive, massive fan of Taiwo Awanyi. Um, you know, his aerial presence, he reminds me, and this is actually going to probably sound quite disrespectful to a one year, and I don't mean it at all, because I, I absolutely love him as a player, and he'd be my dream. Dream number nine, really, you know, physical, can turn on the ball. He, he reminds me of Wesley at Villa before he got his injury. I feel like that's what Wesley could have been. Um, obviously, I, I'm not sure where he is now after Ben Mee. You know, broke his leg in twenty-four different places, which I'm still I'm still not over because I, I absolutely loved him. You know, like I said, I, I love a physical number nine, someone that puts their body about. Um, yeah, so I mean, if if it wasn't to be set pieces, and I think you summed it up really well. Um, we're we're known for our high line, both home and away. So, you know, if if you can exploit us there down the wings, we've we've looked really bad recently, and that was where our losses came from at home. Is teams attacking the flanks and and getting a ball into the box early on uh we really struggled to deal with it cash cash came under some um some flack for that recently um as well as moreno might i add so that's why i was saying maybe dinia will come in um i must admit that cash did a lot better with protecting our flanks against fulham um but that is definitely an area of concern for the games that i've been to at home especially every single time it seems to be if a team plays it down the wing, you know, soaks up the pressure, gets three or four men forward uh, suddenly on the counter-attack, down the wings, cross it in, chances are you'll get a shot at goal. It was interesting because in the in the reverse fixture, Elanga was playing against Cash and I thought Cash couldn't catch him up to say, I'd say I watched Cash like pretty much be stride for stride of Mbappe in the World Cup. Like, I was quite surprised that like how how much Alanga was leaving him in his dust. It'll be interesting this time because Hudson Odoi has now picked up a lot of form and is now playing left wing, and Alanga's trotched over to the to the right hand side. But Gibbs White being able to pick the ball up in the ten is like huge for us, isn't it, Christian? And I think like That's if if he can get on the ball and you kind of allow Morgan Gibbs White space, and 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 I think a lot of Premier League fans will know it. He can hurt you, so. I'm intrigued for that battle. Hudson Odoi against Cash will be interesting because I feel I feel like they're very matched for pace, but Hudson Odoi is a bit more tricky. He's a bit more like in and out, and and unbombing Nuno Tavares these days is <laughs> is great. And I'm, I'm sure he might he might hurt a child or a, an old lady in the crowd with a shot in the halt end or something. But I'm I'm intrigued for these sort of battles. But other than like the obvious of of Ollie Watkins, what what do we kind of have to be careful from a Villa point of view, Seb? Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I think you sum it up really well. I'll be looking forward to um, on Saturday where we put a ball in the box ourselves. You manage to clear it. Gibbs White picks up the ball and looks for either side and just plays that long pass and, <laughs> and you end up through on goal. Um, 
in, in terms of us, Leon Bailey at the moment probably been our player of the season. Um, he, again, he's someone that came under a lot of criticism from Villa fans. You know, I, I always thought it was really harsh. He was brought in as almost our Grealish replacement, and people expected him to hit the same heights within his first season, which was never realistic. Um, he struggled with injuries. He struggled with confidence. I always remember last season at home. He went through, he went past the goalkeeper against Wolves, one all in the 94th minute, I think it was. Past the goalkeeper, brilliant first touch, and then put it wide of the post. And he just came off the he just came off the pitch in tears, floods and floods of tears. And you could see how much it meant to him that he wants to succeed. And you could see the raw ability that he has. And this season, he's he's just shown it in abundance. Um, I think he's he's almost accepted that he's not going to start every game but he will still play an impact, you know, at some point this season. I think it was just before Christmas, he had the most goals and assists from any Premier League player coming off the bench. Um, so he's really thrived in that role and he's earned his starts now. Um, and, you know, he, he's carried on that form from from when he's starting. If him and Ollie can form that partnership again, then, you know, I, I, I would struggle. Normally, they like to double up on a fullback. They like to pick a fullback and double up on them. Um, so if you get Ollie and then Leon and then either of Moreno or Cash, it, it almost becomes a three on one then. And we managed to work that opportunity again. I, I'd worry about Ollie in between your centre halves. Uh, Fulham made one mistake. I think it was Issa Diop at the weekend where Issa Diop just followed Ollie. He, he just followed him. Maybe maybe five yards he cut in front of his defence. Ollie rolled him. Tielemans obviously played that pass and, and there was a massive gap. So if you can hold your defensive structure and hold your line and minimise any any running opportunities for for Ollie, then I think you should have us. You should have us under wraps and you should be able to minimise the chances that we get. That's interesting. Um Hopefully we can avoid them. <laughs> we're going three on one. Um, I have to say, though, one thing I have noticed, obviously a lot of this depends on where you finish the season, of course. I'm sure if you finish in Champions League and it changes a lot in regards to your finances. But obviously I've noticed that um, towards in January, especially, there's quite, I saw quite a few bit of, bit of disgruntlement from Villa fans that are unable to spend, obviously because of PNS rules. And there was a lot of talk that uh, Ramsey might be the next one that has to be sold in order to facilitate progression in some aspects. Uh, I just want to know what your thoughts on that were. Obviously, we've had our own PNS issues documented pretty um, well, pretty well, I think you can say in the media. But I want to know what your thoughts were on that situation because obviously that's sure that's with detrimental on your side of things. Obviously, you just it must be quite frustrating in the sense that you've potentially got a team ready to wait, but you've got to sort of dismantle part of it to sort of go again almost. Yeah, there was there was a bit of those reports that I took with a pinch of salt because. You know, they they broke. I can't remember when exactly in January it was, but they broke saying Villa will have to sell a key star. They're struggling at the moment. They need to balance the books. And then the next day it was Villa have submitted a fifteen million pound bid for Morgan Rogers. And you know we'd just spent nine million on a on a new right back and sent him out on loan to come back in the summer. So you know I was sort of going, well, something's not adding up here. Um, yeah, I always try to take reports like I said with a pinch of salt until obviously something comes to fruition I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up selling one of our big hitters in the summer um, now if you if you had to push me for a name Ramsey obviously was linked away I, I would be more surprised if it's him than someone maybe like Kamara before his injury obviously we got him on a free so any profit we made would be 
would be exactly ours or Douglas Louise, another one who's picked up interest over the years. Um, obviously, Arsenal were very heavily linked to him. But if we sold one of those players, it would then obviously mean that we could spend more in summer and, and um, end up hopefully kicking on, obviously, depending on where we finish this season, like you, like you rightly pointed out. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of them went in the summer. It's not like we'd have to, we're not in a crisis. We're not sitting there going, oh, you know, Christ, we need to balance our books. We need to generate this much, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I think certainly with the way that the rules are formed now and, um, you know, the punishments that are being handed out, you know, all too well yourselves, um, that Villa might be more scared and be forced into selling one of them than maybe before where they'll go, what will happen? Well, no, that's fair, that's enough, fair yeah. enough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Seb, what's your predicted lineup for Saturday's game? Oh, uh, okay, I'll, I'll start off with the easiest one. Obviously, Emmy Martinez in goal. I don't think that has ever changed or hopefully will ever change for, for many years to come. Um, now, our strongest lineup is obviously Konsa when he played right back um, with Cash dropping to the bench, but obviously Konsa's out. So I think Cash will maintain that spot. Um, and then I do believe it will be Clement Longley and Pau Torres centre-backs. Longley, um, again, being hit and miss and again coming to criticism from some Villa fans this season. But for a loan deal, um, for relatively small fee, you know, he's he stepped up when asked. He was linked away in January because he wasn't getting the game time. And ever since then, he's been sort of a mainstay um, through through the fault of our injuries, of course. But, you know, he, he stepped up to the plate in recent weeks. And alongside Pau Torres, he looked a lot more assertive um, than than he has done in recent weeks. He he did actually make a, an error against Fulham, which cost us a goal. Um, his lack of communication with Martinez made, made sure that they could get a consolation goal and it made a nervy 20 minutes. But all in all, he, he did look a lot better in that one. And then I do think it will be Moreno left back. Uh, Dinya obviously came on. I think he came on against Fulham for the last 20 minutes, but he's still coming back from injury. So I'd be surprised to see him start that one. Uh, we mentioned earlier about Louise and McGinn being that partnership, dropping deeper. Um, and then I do believe it will be Leon Bailey and Yuri Tielemans. And then I think because we're at home, we might be inclined to add a bit more pace. So I'd imagine it will be Jacob Ramsey and Ollie Watkins. Now, obviously not in that order. I, I, I believe it will be. Um, so normally McGinn would have played the second striker role. Um, I don't think Ramsey will do that. I think Tielemans would be more likely to do that almost as a number 10. So Ollie on his own. And then Tielemans just behind, but they can go up and play a two. Um, so with Leon Bailey and then Jacob Ramsey, just to give us that extra bit of pace, a little bit behind the strikers, allow Tielemans to do his thing on the ball and create those passes. But that would probably be the team that I'd be most expected to see. And can we get a score prediction from you? Oh, this is this is my. I love when I host a podcast because I love asking this question, but I hate receiving <laughs> it. Um, I don't think I've ever ever got one right. But if you if you had to push me, I said I think there'll be goals. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. I please don't say three two. I can't do another one. <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna say three one, but I can't see a score in that many. You've you did really well um, in the opening fixture against us this season and snuffing us out. And you mentioned that, so I re I reckon two one. 
fair enough. I said two two in our in our practice. I don't, I don't know what you, you, wouldn't surprise me. Christian, you weren't there. And I don't remember if you what if you even gave one to be honest. I haven't given one, yeah. I'm I was gonna be sitting on the fence for one all, I think. I think um I'd take that to the bank as well. But yeah. I wanted to know if do you do you think Sangari will come back in for Danilo? Or that'll be the only change be... I make. That'll be the only yeah. change from a personal standpoint. Because I just I expect us, like Lee said, I do think we'll end up defending more. And um I just think having a stronger presence wouldn't hurt. So I think that um, I would go with Dominguez for his tenacity and Sangare for his, you know, strength and ability to pick a forward pass, which we'll need because if if it isn't Gibbs White, for example, it would probably be Sangare who could pick those balls forward out out wide. Mm. So that that would be the um to, the oh. only change I'd make. Or or our absolute worldy centre half in Murillo. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I could call that back this kid. I mean, like that's an interesting battle, Mur- Murillo, Ollie Watkins. I won you, Pau Torres, as well. I'm all for it. It's going to be a good game, I think. Um, I've got a little quiz for you both, actually. Um, Seb, this might really test like your Aston Villa knowledge um, a, li- a little, because I don't. How old oh, are you? No. Uh, I am 19. Oh, God. Was you there for the 5 5? Uh, I was, yes. Right. Well, I want, no you take, now. <laughs> I want you to take in turns. I want you to name. The the play so basically Seb you as a, your guest you will name a player first it can be from Villa or Forest who started that game and then it will go started. to Christian and then it will go to Christian oh it will go to Christian and then and then and then and then kind of go back and forth until one of you fails I thought so, you were going to ask me for the goal scorers which I was going to struggle with enough but starting well Tommy Abraham got four so that I gave you one there <laughs> you can't really like go wrong can you. Okay. okay. The first one I was going to go for was Matty Cash because all I can remember was him shushing the whole end. Well, yes. Matty Cash is is yeah, one. Yes. That, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for Jao Carvalho. Jao Carvalho is 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 one. Yeah. Can I go for Abraham or would that be cheating? You can go for Abraham. I'll give there you that. Go. I'll lock it. I'll lock in Tammy. Tammy um, of course. Well, the the man, even though despite someone else scored four goals, it was basically his game. Joe Lolly. Joe Lolly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, I think he was seven. linked to Villa for quite a while after. He was a Villa fan, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. So, um, okay, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember who. Christ, this Villa team has completely escaped me. Um, okay, five, five all. Yeah, Christ, it was it was one of Dean Smith's first games. Did, did Grealish start that game? Grealish did start that game. Yeah, so I think I think. There is someone else who ventured already in this podcast that might be the only survivor from that team. But, well, yeah, that is injured anyway. Um, yeah. uh, Tobias mm. Figueredo, because he got sent off. Tobias Figueredo, yeah, and he did get sent off. <laughs> um, I'm trying to... I'm struggling with the Villa team, so I'm trying to go through Forest, and I don't know whether... <laughs> that's, that's a bad, that's that's bad over there. That <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, I don't know whether you'd signed Scott McKenna, so I'm not going to say him. Yet, I don't think he started that one. So I'm trying. I've gone through our front line. I've got Tammy and I've got Grealish. Did did um did Al Mohammadi play in that one? No, no. Who was our right back? Was it Alan Hutton? Alan Hutton, yeah, was your right oh. back. No wonder Give we can see the five. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, for, for the win, you can just name one player. Did, did Lewis grab and lead the line that night? He yeah, did, and he scored he twice. Did. But uh, the, the the rest of the team, so Aston Villa started with Nyland in goal. 
Oh, Alan God, Hutton, I was Alan, 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 Alan Hutton, Twan James Chester, Neil Taylor, Jack Grealish, Connor Horohan, John McGinn, who is the only survivor, Yannick Balassi, Tammy Abraham and Jonathan Codger. And Forrest had... Jonathan Codger started. And then yeah. Forrest had Pantillamon, Dariqua, Michael Dawson, Figueredo, Jack Robinson, That's Claudio man. Jacob, Jack Colback, Lolly, Cavallio, Cash and Graben up front. So, I mean... That night sort of turned into a blur for me. I remember, remember coming away with it gutted that we didn't end up winning. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought yeah. we would have lost that game after we went down to 10, so... Yeah. Yeah. I bet you oh, can't like name the other goals. Was... Could you name the other goal scorer other than Abraham? Um, he was a substitute. Yes, Amwar El Ghazi. Yeah, well, it was El Ghazi, yeah. Nice. Well, at least you got some some there in the memory bank. Christian remembers like Michael Mancien giving the ball away against Ipswich last week. I don't know how that I was there. <laughs> I was there, but I don't remember that, mate. God, I've, I've, I've never seen defending. I've bottled, like, it was, oh, I bottled that good. trauma away. <laughs> Suppressed memories. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you very much, Seth, for coming on. Obviously, so I believe, um, is it at Holtcast? Is that H-O-L-C-E? Yes. Yes, There's a podcast you're on yet. So um, and obviously all the best for your uh, university studies, of course. And uh, who knows, maybe you will win. We'll, we'll be the next Will still. Who knows? But... <laughs> no, thank you. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's It's been a pleasure. No worries at all. And anyway, um, we'll be back for our review on Sunday, I believe, after the game. And hopefully we have another win to talk to you about. Uh, but until then, come on, you Reds. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.